Hi friends, it's Monica with two Monicas and a microphone. I just wanted to give a little warning that today's episode does feature some strong language as we dip our toes into the world of serial killer monikers. As always, we want to keep it lighthearted and entertaining, but I did want to give a warning to be aware of who's listening around you. That sucks. <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Monica. I cannot believe we still have more true crime to talk about. I can. I think we could do a whole season on it, to be quite honest. I don't want to because I don't think I could handle all of the research that it takes because, you know, it just made me feel way too icky. But there's so much out there. What are we going to talk about today, though? This one, I don't even know how I came up with this idea, but we're talking about the nicknames that are given or assigned to serial killers and spree killers. Ooh, interesting. I mean, haven't you ever wondered how the co-ed killer got his name? Well, I figured a newspaper article called him that and he killed some co-eds. I don't know. But what about the Boston Strangler? Or the Black Widow. So we have a couple different categories that we're going to delve into. And we're going to talk about the nicknames, the killers, and how the nicknames came to be. So you hit the nail on the head because many serial killers do emerge in the newspaper. And their nicknames are given because of media coverage of ongoing cases. I think that makes sense because you don't know who it is. So you need a way to talk about them. Absolutely. So a lot of times the nicknames, according to mindbounce.com, they're descriptive of the nature of the murders, characteristics of the victims, or other details relating to the crime. It seems like common sense, right? Yes. We have the category where the media assigns the nickname. We have the category of location nickname, such as the Boston Strangler or the Axeman of New Orleans, because guess what? He killed people in New Orleans with an axe. It's very Sorry, clever. I should not laugh. It's so, so very bad. clever. You're laughing at a naming function, not the crime itself. Yeah, no, I get totally. it. And then we have nicknames that the killer themselves assigned to themselves. Oh, that's going to be yeah. my favorite. So we're going to get started with one of my favorite because it's, guess what? Based in Seattle. Monica, I'm going to tell you again, don't say favorite. Oh, I like know. say most interesting or something. Oh. Like that. <laughs> yeah. One of the killers that I'm most fascinated by is the Green River Killer. And it's in part because he was in Seattle. Yes. And I know you love that. It, it's like your claimed home. Yeah, it is. It's my second home, I think. One of the most fascinating characteristics of the Green River Killer is that it went unsolved for over 20 years. Yeah, that's terrorizing. And weren't there actual deaths over the 20-year span? And not oh my goodness. just that it wasn't solved, but no. that they continued. He's confessed to killing at least 70 women in Washington State and probably also in Oregon. Wow. Between the 80s and 90s. And the only reason he was not put to death is because he agreed to confess and lead people to the dumping sites of his victims. Wow. And that's why he's serving life in prison. I'm not even going to say his name. We'll just use the nickname. But he received the nickname, the Green River Killer, because he dumped a lot of his bodies at the Green River, which is just outside of Seattle. 
The Green River Killer, is, it's quite grotesque. And I, just the length of it, just the length of someone being out there and able to do that is crazy to me. I guess my question for this, and maybe you don't have the answer. And also, I did nothing to help you prepare this episode. So when did he get the name Green River Killer after? No, I want to say it was after about the fifth victim that they found at the Green River. Okay. Um, And the newspaper started reporting on it. And they called him the Green River Killer. They also initiated a task force because they realized that it was a serial killer. And the task force existed for a decade or so. Granted, it went from, you know, maybe five or six people down to two Mm -hmm. after a while because they were not getting any leads and nothing panned out. The really tragic part is that they actually interviewed him at one point. No, he was eventually convicted because he worked at a truck painting plant and they identified some paint on his truck that was also found, I I believe, on the body. But they had originally identified him as a, let's say, person of interest early on in the investigation. Um, And then he stopped. He stopped for a long while. He was married. Oh, well, good for him. I'm glad he could have a normal life. We're going to get on an airplane. We're going to go over to the East Coast and we're going to talk about a very famous serial killer, although I only know his name. I really don't know anything, but it's pretty infamous. And that's the Boston Strangler. Now, can you tell me a little bit about him? I don't even know. He seems earlier. Like, was he in the 50s? He was in the early 60s. Okay. He committed his crimes between 1962 and 1964, and not just 1962 to 64, because that could give you two years. It was really an 18-month period between June and January. That sounds terrorizing. How many people were strangled? 13 women. That's like one a month almost. Exactly. I mean, when you think of serial killers and you think of being terrified for your life, if you're going to go out walking, even like to get into your car, this is a reason to be terrified. They were ranged between ages of 19 and 85. Oh, wow. Right. That's a huge age gap. It's monstrous. And he doesn't have his nickname because all the women were the same, right? When you think of like maybe the co-ed killer, mm-hmm. they were all young co-eds. But so he is just opportunist misogynist. Exactly. Exactly. So one of the other interesting facts that I noticed while I was doing research on this is that a lot of times the nicknames go through iterations before one actually sticks. Okay. The Boston Strangler was originally referred to as the Silk Stocking Murders. And honestly, that sounds way more fun. If this could be fun, that sounds like something that would have been a book and Dick Tracy may have been the main character. He was also referred to as the green man, which the article I read did not explain why. I wonder if it didn't happen maybe near a street or district that was green. Very, very interesting. Possibly, but eventually the Boston Strangler is the name that stuck. Was it the silk stocking murders? Because let me guess, he used a silk stocking. Okay. I imagined his hands until you said the silk stocking murders. Right. So that one is a really good descriptive nickname because it tells you the manner. Yes. And ooh, could you imagine if some of these were nicknamed off of their manner? Thank goodness. 
We stay on the East Coast and we move on to a still unsolved serial killer LISC. Do you know what LISC stands for? No, to be honest, I'm just now reading it on the notes. I had no idea till right now, which is kind of embarrassing. The Long Island serial killer is something I'm moderately familiar with. I did not know it was known as LISC. It's so interesting. It is so interesting. Think of it as the Green River Killer. Mm -hmm. On the East Coast, where all of these bodies are being found in the same area, and they still don't know who it is. And it's happening not in the 80s and 90s. It's happened in the 2000s. You know when the last one was? While you're looking that up, I'm just going to talk about, once again, the failed monikers. So the New York Post gave the moniker Long Island Ripper. (laughs) Dud. Ripper. Come on. I know. Come on. New York Daily News assigned Seashore Serial Killer. Again, too fun. Too fun. Yeah. And the Atlantic reported in 2011 that the New York Post newsroom was filled with frustration as they worked to find a catchy moniker for the murderer. I mean, the trauma of these poor newsroom people trying to think of a good nickname. So eventually it was Long Island Serial Killer, i.e. Lisk, which is intriguing if you don't know what it is. Yes. This entire story is fascinating. And there's a really great podcast about Lisk called Lisk. <laughs> right. Which is how I, I knew Lisk was a serial killer thing. I never put the um, two together. Yeah. I would like to go back and comment on Seashore Serial Killer. A couple things. One, obviously it's a little hard to say, but two, it sounds like people are being murdered on the seashore versus being dumped. So I just feel like they really needed to get rid of that anyway. That's very, very bad. They needed to look at the naming convention as detailed out above when we first started this. But I also would like to update everybody that it looks like April of 2011 was the last time. So we're looking at a decade since the last known Mm -hmm. murder known, I would like to say, because this guy could have moved or could have come up with a new camping ground. I don't know. I haven't even listened to the Lisk podcast yet. They probably address this. It's so good. And there are a couple theories. One is that it's actually a couple different mm-hmm. killers because yes. the MO from some of the bodies is not identical. And usually with a serial killer, you'll have pretty much identical MO and like cause of death and things like that. Some very identifiable characteristics. So they think it, it could be that people, people, um, I'm just going to go out there and say men decided that this particular area was a great spot. I think you're and- like men, all of the males in society. How about two deranged serial killers? Uh, Okay. They're predominantly male. Right. I just say you're like men as in men have decided to buy steak. Okay. So we have one that I hadn't come across. Uh, The Genesee River Killer. I'm going to guess killed or dumped at the Genesee River. Yes. So he started killing in 1972. He assaulted and claimed the life of a 10 year old boy after luring him into a wooded area in Watertown, New York. And then he moved from boys to girls with an eight year old girl. Awful. And can you even believe he was convicted? He only served 14 years in prison and then he was released. 
what I would like to note, not that this makes this any better. He was not convicted of murdering the eight-year-old girl, which is so weird and gross. Right. But he was convicted of manslaughter. Like he didn't mean to kill her. Gross. After 14 years, I'm sure he went on to live a picture perfect, ideal, law abiding life, right? Oh, sure, sure. But no, he went on after he was released in 1988 to brutally kill 12 female prostitutes between 22 and 59 years old. Whoa, that's so strange. From children to adults, that is that is so strange to jump like that. Eventually, he was captured at the scene of his last incident. And he confessed to all 12 killings. And only then was he sentenced to 250 years in prison. Mm -hmm. So he didn't get the death penalty? Uh, No, which is surprising. Well, it looks like he's dead anyway. Died of cardiac arrest. 2008. This person's gross. We're going back across the country, back to the West Coast. So we come to the Golden State Killer. So California, California, what's funny about the golden state killer. So my question is, was this in the Sacramento area or was this all of California for a long time? They didn't know. And he was known by several different names. Once I watched the documentary um, based on Michelle McNamara's book, it's called I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Mm -hmm. Great book, great docuseries. I was like, wow, my parents lived in the town where he was tormenting people. Oh, that's awful. Did you get to ask your mom if she was scared or thought about it? She didn't even know. Oh, no wonder he could have victims. Because information moved so much slower. My mom's like, I had no idea. She's (gasps) like, we didn't have a TV. Right. She may have read the newspaper, but the newspapers weren't printing or publishing anything because they didn't want to freak people out. Yeah. It's not that the newspapers weren't printing or publishing. It's the police weren't disclosing. That makes sense. Yeah. The newspapers had nothing to publish because the police weren't disclosing and there was no connection. So he was originally known as the East Area Rapist because that's how he started. And then they thought he moved to a different area and his nickname there was the Visalia Ransacker. Yeah, that one does not roll off the lips. And I would hate to type that out in a newspaper. And then he was the original Night Stalker. But he moved from Northern California. Wait, question. Was he the original Night Stalker? As in they called him original Night Stalker? original Night Stalker. Or they called him later. That's weird. Okay. He started in like, Central California in the Santa Barbara Goleta area. Okay. And then he moved south. That's why he's Golden State because it's more than one. Oh, ooh. So for those of you who don't know Michelle McNamara, she became obsessed with the East Area Rapist and these unsolved rapes and murders that had been committed in the, let's say, Central to Southern California area. And she just basically decided to delve into it. Do you hear, Logan? (laughs) Okay, I thought it was just me. No, no I just couldn't help but laugh at that little <laughs> end part. <laughs> she decides to dive headfirst into all things for all of these monikers, right? Because she was convinced that A, the case was solvable and B, that it was the same person. I'm not going to go into too much detail because a whole podcast would be necessary, but she eventually brands the guy Golden State Killer. 
Oh. Because she discovered that they were all connected. Wow. Really? Yeah. It was like a regular person. My question is, so he started killing when your mom was pregnant. So 1979. Mm -hmm. Right. When did she give him the Golden State Killer moniker? Not until 2013. What? Right? Oh, wow. Wow. Was he ever caught? Yes. He was eventually caught because she had the brilliant idea because DNA, you know, far more prevalent. You've got all these people swabbing their cheeks and like wanting to Mm -hmm. find out who their ancestors are. So she had the idea to take some of the DNA and submit it to these, you know, like ancestry.com or 23andMe and do the genealogy. Yeah. Where you figure out who the siblings or cousins Mm -hmm. are. Exactly. Which is kind of weird that they can do that. Just going to say without your permission, but whatever. Yeah, no. So (laughs) they did it because obviously when you submit your stuff to these places, they keep, um, let me pause. Okay. I'm terrible. (laughs) He's been yelling at me that he's ready to wipe. Okay. That is hilarious. (laughs) I feel awful. (laughs) <laughs> he was so patient, honestly. He really was. Usually he comes and tells me that he's going to go, but not this time. Michelle McNamara's, her, her research originally appeared as a long form article in the Los Angeles magazine, but eventually she wrote a book and it was posthumously published Uh, It's called I'll Be Gone in the Dark. Did she die? She did. She was so, I mean, it's such a tragic story. She's the one who, did she kill herself? No, she accidentally OD'd because she was so many uppers and downers doing this research and suffering from nightmares and things like that because she was looking at the crime photos. Uh, She was so into it. I can see that. She couldn't sleep and then she needed to finish her book. And so she was taking downers to sleep and uppers to wake up. And Mm. her husband didn't even know how much she was taking or that she was taking anything. Oh, my. um, Because she was getting it from all sorts of random places. Of course. To keep herself going. And yeah, she she left a husband and a seven-year-old daughter. And she perished in her sleep. Now that we've gone down the sad path of people who study serial killers. Let's talk about the coast to coast or cross country killer. I like coast to coast killer. I do too. But yeah, cross country killer makes sound like maybe they're running a lot. So he was considered to be one of the most dangerous men in Texas. I don't, I'm not familiar with him. I wasn't either, but he claims to have killed 70 people. Whoa, how come I'm not familiar with someone who would kill 70 people? Well, it's interesting because he, it says the most dangerous man in Texas. So how does that get you cross country killer? Like Texas is a state. So apparently he operated between 1985 and 1999. That's a long time. Mm -hmm. Um, And he was eventually captured because he was caught breaking into the bedroom of a 10 year old girl stabbing her. Oh, jeez. That's right. So Um, he did it all across Texas, then not one area. Right. Huh. I wonder if he was like a, had a job that took him all over or something. Very scary. Yeah. I mean, he's one that I could dive a little bit deeper into, but I I didn't have time to do that. Yeah. I'm just shocked. We, neither one of us was familiar. Mm -hmm. So this brave little 10 year old girl, even though he left her to die, 
she survived and was able to alert her neighbors and she provided the police with a description of him. Wow. And fortunately, he received capital punishment in 2014. All right, so we have yet another another location killer. Yeah, this one's hard to tell where it is exactly, everyone, but it is the Milwaukee cannibal. Which I had never heard of him referred to this, as this. Me either. Not at okay. all. Never once. So this is probably the only name I have to use because no one's going to know who the Milwaukee right, cannibal right. is. It's Jeffrey Dahmer. It makes sense now that you say it. And maybe the reason that we don't know him as that is because we didn't live there when we weren't being terrorized by this weirdness. Was the was he the type of person who they were looking for for a long time and then they found him? And we heard of him after when we weren't terrorized. That's just my guess. No, I mean, he operated for, for many years. Right, right. Um, so that's why we didn't know about him. I mean, we weren't his targets. No, we weren't his targets. (laughs) And I was 11 by the time he was eventually. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it was only slightly before my my toe dipping into criminals. Yeah. And I doubt your mom is going to really get you on the up and up with Jeffrey Dahmer. But I do remember hearing his name. I do, too. I remember him getting caught and there was a cannibal that ate men. I do remember yep. that as a kid. So he was eventually sentenced in 1992 um, to 15 terms of life imprisonment because apparently he slayed and dismembered 17 men and boys, Oof. but he was convicted of 15 incidents. But he was eventually killed in prison. Well, we are done with locations. Now we move on to what you and I started talking about, which is investigation or media nicknames. Why don't you start us off with the first one? The very first one that we have listed here is the happy face killer, which I'm not very familiar with at all, although I loved happy faces in the 90s and apparently so did this pervert. Jeez, I don't like hearing that. So I guess he murdered eight women in the 90s and he sent letters, I'm guessing, to various news outlets about his crimes and then he would sign them all with a smiley face, like a complete creepo. And the reason he started sending the letters is because he was upset no one was catching him. And And that's the other thing with these people. uh They want, maybe don't want to be caught so much, but want people to know and to talk about them and to feed into their weird narcissists. Yes, he wanted notoriety. That's why we're not saying your name, happy face killer. And then we have the grim sleeper. Oh, now I don't know what he did and it was probably heinous, but that's a good name. That's a good name. It is a good name. And he was alleged, right? Not convicted, but alleged to have slain a number of women in South Central Los Angeles. And then he stopped killing for 13 years. I wonder if he's incarcerated. Possibly. Uh, That's how he earned the nickname, the Grim Sleeper, because he didn't kill for so long. Oh, okay. Police were finally able to track him down using DNA technology just like the Golden State Killer. Okay. And he was eventually found guilty of 10 slayings in 2016. But he's also suspected in at least 20 more. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. I'm going to have to take a shower or like wash my hair or something after all this. Well, definitely. That's how it feels. That's definitely how it feels. Speaking of, let's go ahead and take a quick break to talk about our hair and how to have the best hair ever. 
Are you looking for a hair pick-me-up? Then you need Glaze Super Gloss. Your hair will be glossy, soft, and vibrant. You can choose from 10 color matching shades or just go for the sheer glow, which is gentle enough to use in place of your conditioner. In only 10 minutes, you'll have the best hair of your life. There's no sulfates or parabens in any of Glaze products, and you can recycle your last bottle when you're ready for a new one. Hit pause right now and go to glazehair.co and use promo code MONICA15 to get 15% off the best hair of your life. That's glazehair.co and promo code MONICA15. We progress to another nickname denoted or given by the media or the investigation, which is the BTK. Which I do not know, even to this day, what BTK stands for. Bind, torture, kill. Oh, well, I'm glad I see. Now, the thing is, he wasn't called the bind, torture, killer because nobody wants to hear that. No, nope. that's why they called him BTK. And he also identified himself with those words when he started writing letters to the media. Oh, another one. Yep, another one. <laughs> we have another cannibal. Oh, oh, good. Yes. In the 70s, the Baltimore cannibal. Oh, I didn't mm-hmm. know there. Maybe that's just between cannibals and murders of children. I usually stay very far away from those topics. They're just a a little extra for me. Oh, Monica, this one's so bad. It's so bad. I can't believe it. Dude, I'm not reading what you've put in the notes because I'm protecting myself. Thanks for highlighting that one. The Baltimore cannibal, as if Jeffrey Dahmer was learning from someone, this guy took it to the extreme and it's claimed that he sometimes stripped the bodies for meat and use them in his roadside open pit food stand. <gasps> yeah, I don't know if that's real. <laughs> that's gross. I don't know. <laughs> he wasn't Ugh. caught for 20 years. So he started in 76 and he was caught in 96. How many people did he murder? It doesn't say exactly. He was convicted of killing three women and he confessed to strangling seven. Hold on one second. Logan's here. Uh, He eventually died in prison uh, fairly recently, 2017. You know, honestly, that one brought in both. It was location Mm -hmm. and description. (gasps) Dr. Death. Okay. I've heard of not very familiar with Dr. Death, but I mean, I feel like I see it on like the podcast all the time. Wondery. Wondery. I was going to say, okay, so there is a Dr. Death podcast by Wondery. I'm guessing he was a doctor who killed his patients. Am I right? Am I wrong? So the interesting thing about Dr. Death is there are numerous Dr. Deaths, but we're talking about a specific one because he is by far and away the most egregious, prolific doctor killers out there. So you're saying that there's probably more than one person named Dr. Death. Yes. But he's the most prolific. Yes. So, and this one happens across the pond. So we're in England now. It's been proven that he is responsible for up to 250 murders. Holy smokes, that is a lot. But I guess if you have access 
two people and you can, I'm, I don't know what he did, but you, no one's questioning their deaths. Then I guess it could cycle like that because my guess with most serial killers, what stops them from acting on every single urge is basically self-preservation. They don't want to get caught and they can't be too risky. Right. It was established that he purposely injected fatal doses of a drug into a huge number of patients, causing them to die. Just sit there and watch him die? Or was it just the power to take life? Do you know? I don't know. I would assume that he sat there and he watched them. I would too. Uh, But it's not just that he killed them. He forged their wills so he could inherit large sums of money. Oh, oh, okay. No one thinking anything. And so he eventually killed himself 2004. So when you think of 250 people, we're not talking 1800s or 1910. We're talking recent. So there are several other doctor deaths. I remember Jack Kevorkian. He was nicknamed Dr. Death. Yeah, that's who I originally have always thought of when you say Dr. Death is Jack Kevorkian. I thought that there was, oh, I think I'm thinking of a Dr. Love who was used to say this is Dr. Love, but maybe it's Dr. Death, the CB killer he'd come across. Do you know about that one? No. Oh, Ooh, yeah. Sounds like okay. The Love Doctor. Oh, yeah. The Love Doctor. That's what it is. I, oh, I have. I have heard. To me, there's probably been other doctors who've been convicted of killing their patients. And a doctor death is kind of just one of those monikers that can yes. be, I mean, like you said, I'm sure there were <laughs> doctor deaths in the 1800s. If you kill people with an MD after your name, good chances you're going to be nicknamed Dr. Death. And then we have the co-ed killer. We mentioned him before. Yes. He previous. was in a previous episode. And he killed co-eds. I don't know. That was just a lame name, honestly. I just, hey, he's killing some women around the same age. So why is it that women are the co-eds? Co-ed to me means like men and women. Yeah, but when people say co-ed in the 70s, they mean young little college girls. I have no idea why. I don't either. That'd be, that'd be good to know. But this is, we're not diving in there. No. <laughs> so in our previous episode, we mentioned that he was originally convicted of killing his grandparents when he was a mere 15 years old. Mm -hmm. that he is extremely intelligent, but he was eventually released because he was a minor when he killed his grandparents. And then he went on to kill more women. He was very interesting when, when I read up on him because he didn't get caught. He called and turned himself in because he was just in his own words to summarize over it. Okay. 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 My God. I was gonna ask because I had written down Mm -hmm. the only little bit of prep work I did was coming up with a question for you. Okay. okay. (laughs) And that is, did John Wayne Gacy have a nickname? Well, so it's interesting to me that some of these killers are only known by their moniker and others are more predominantly known by their full name. John Wayne Gacy. I had never heard of his moniker, the killer clown, until I listened to a podcast called The Clown and the Candyman. Yeah. But to me, it's like, okay, so maybe you're going to tell how he got the killer clown name, but I thought no one knew he was a clown till afterwards. So that would be a yes. post yes. nickname, not a in the moment nickname. It's it's very true. So no one knew who he was. It went unsolved for six years and he strangled a lot of men, uh, 26, Jeez. and he kept them in his house. That's also weird. It was under the crawl space. Uh, his wife, like it's one of 
those situations where was was he like, honey, never go in the crawl space. And she's like, he always said, don't go in the crawl space. Uh, <laughs> probably. Um, and I need to correct myself. He actually assaulted and slayed 33. Only put 26 of them in his house though. Yes, only 26. 26. He he ran out of space, I guess. Time to build a bigger crawl well, space. Well, Marge, we gotta, we gotta add on. <laughs> don't go in the shed, okay? I just bought a shed, don't go out there. But he was nicknamed the killer clown after he was caught because apparently during the day he would dress up as a clown to entertain young kids. Isn't that kind of creepy to think that there's somebody in your neighborhood who would do parties for children in your neighborhood is what this says. And you would have been at his house or he would have come over to your house and you would have been entertained and your kids would have hugged him or laughed at him. It's weird and it's just one of those things that's hard to digest. The bloody lady of Ketchist. Yeah, we all know I'm not going to know okay. the answer. Ketchist? Ketchist. Ketchist. What is the, where is she from? Oh my goodness. Um, so we're going way back. We're okay. jumping in our time machine and we're going way back to the 16th century. Oh, wow. That is the way back machine. Yes. And she's the most infamous slayer in the history of Hungary and Slovakia. I didn't know that she was called the, I just knew her as the bloody lady, I guess. Yeah, she's awful. Oh, um, okay. So you know of her. I had never heard of her. Yes. Uh, she used to bathe in the blood of her victims. So I'm just going to go off of what I know. Okay. So she just basically used her power and she was sadistic. So she would kill off peasant girls for her own and torture them for her own pleasure. And back during this time, one of the ways that you would have a job, if you will, or something that might be considered really great was to be able to go work at the palace. Uh, but people did not want their daughters to work at the palace during this time because they knew that that just meant that she would kill them. And she did. I mean, she was sadistic and she killed them and for her own sick entertainment pleasures. So they think that there was 36 to 200 because of course back then it'd be very hard to document that. Of course you could listen to podcasts you're like, oh, it's totally not true. But she was imprisoned in her own castle and put on house arrest. She didn't just, you know, vampire style slit their wrists or neck or something. I mean, she would send them out naked into the cold winter to freeze to death. Oh my God. I mean, she had, had many different ways that she killed them. That's what you get from a woman. She's not going to do the same thing every time. No. So we have Pee Wee, right? What? I know. I know. I want to know how he got this nickname. What? Yeah, no. What did he cut off people's parts? I mean, why is he called Pee Wee? I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, it's a mystery. Friends, if you want to Google it, please leave us a message on our Instagram and let us know how Pee Wee got his nickname because the article I read did not say. Uh, But he would kill hitchhikers that he would pick Mm. up in 1969. And it's said that uh, he killed between 80 and 90 people between 69 and when he was arrested in 75. Wow. He's one of the reasons you don't hitchhike. Oh my God. I mean, that's a real thing. Right, so that took place in the US in the South. And we're going back across the pond. 
went to Metal Fang. Okay, so this person used his braces by you. No, but that would mean that he's American because we all know that Americans have braces. All right. (laughs) Uh, Metal Fang is another cannibal. And I can, his first name is Nikolai. I might be Mm. able to get Paul to pronounce his last name because I cannot. There are a lot of consonants. (laughs) So many, so many consonants in that name. He is said to have killed and eaten the remains of at least seven women, but it's probably closer to 50 in the Soviet Union. He is such a Soviet Union style serial killer. Listen to this detail. He received his nickname after he replaced his real teeth with white metal teeth. What? He replaced his teeth with metal teeth. That's how he got the nickname of Metal Thing. This is like, are we sure he's real and he's not a character in a James Bond movie? Are we sure? It's It's totally possible, but it said he was captured in 1980 and then he escaped in 89. Did they at least recapture him, please? They did. And then guess what? What? They let a shrink shrink him for 10 years and then he was released again. I mean, this man ate people and replaced his teeth. I just feel like you don't come back from that. You don't don't come back back from from that. And a lot of people didn't come back from the Hillside Strangler or Stranglers, which is another Seattle connection. So on a hill, a lot of people were being strangled and they thought it was more than one person. No, they thought it was just one person. But why did he have, oh, but it was two? It was two. They were cousins. (gasps) Ew. Oh, keeping it in the family. Keeping it in the family. One of them ended up living in Seattle for a while, but would fly down to California. And the Hillside Stranglers operated between 1977 and 1978. 10 girls between 12 and 28 in one year. Yeesh. So they were eventually sentenced to life in prison. Okay. Wow. Yeesh. And one of them remains in prison in Washington state. The other one perished in 2002. Okay. Here's a fun one. I'm going to use that term loosely. Ma Baker. So I'm going to say she was a grandma type, maybe that used to bake cookies. She sounds really crazy, like a gingerbread house should be involved. True. And this one, it's interesting to me that the nickname was given to her, but it was a husband and wife team. So yeah. you could think of the real life, the movie with this, the musical, it's a meat oh, pie. Tweet, Teeny Swad. <laughs> <laughs> Sweeney Todd. Yes. Sweeney Todd. It's the real life Sweeney Todd. This couple tortured and assaulted at least 11 girls this in their home. Weird. Right? So this is between 1967 and 1987. Right? I think it's so much more grotesque when it's a woman helping a man. I don't know why. Or I just maybe feel like, he was helping her. Yeah, but either way, you all, for some reason, we just don't want to believe that women are capable and and we're and that's probably what happened with these young women and girls they were trusting of this ma baker and she was a lunatic oh oh i don't know why this hurt why this hurts me worse but i think that's why she has the nickname and he doesn't as a society just find it harder to believe so their house was later nicknamed the house of horrors which i can understand makes sense mm-hmm And she was given the name because she was actually compiling a cookbook when the murders began. So, like I said, Sweeney Todd, meat pies. Hello. How are you doing? Ew. 
They weren't caught until 1994. Wow. So they had taken a note from John Wayne Gacy playbook and they had buried people under their floorboards. Mm -hmm. Can you say telltale heart much? (laughs) <laughs> and also in their garden. And again, this reminds me of The Burbs, the movie with Tom Hanks. Yeah. No, I love that movie. That's such a great movie. I do too. We've got another another female, two more. Okay. The Black Widow. Yeah, so I feel like, but Black Widow always seems to be a name that's just associated with killing off husbands. But you're telling me there was one Black Widow? No, there are actually several. It's kind okay. of like Dr. Death. If it's a woman who's killed off more than two husbands. Oh, you have to have more than two. Okay, gotcha. I think so. If you just kill one, it's, I don't think Yeah, you're just nothing. You're just like maybe a wolf spider, but you're not a black widow. I think you have to kill more than two because that's kind of the definition of a serial killer, right? More than two. Okay, gotcha. But there have been several, again, we aren't going to name them, but that is a nickname given to women who kill multiple husbands. Oh yeah, there's so many out there and they've gone on for a long time. It used to be a really big deal when you could get life insurance policies and everyone died uh, at like 40 of tuberculosis. <laughs> like, oh no, he just Consumption. died. Consumption, yes. <laughs> it's not alcoholism, people. Like I thought for many years. <laughs> the Death House Landlady. So I listened Ooh. to a podcast about this lady. She was so clever. Of course. I feel like the women are super clever and fly under the radar. Absolutely. She opened up kind of a, a halfway house, boarding house in Sacramento. Uh, it's said for elderly and infirm people. Yes. Oh, Homeless, she would bring them in. She would eventually take her boarders' social security checks. And eventually she just kept having space. But that's because she would kill her tenants. Oh, I just, my heart hurts. Yeah. Not that like anyone's, like anyone's life has more value than another person's. It's not, it's maybe, it's not that, but it's like when they kill children. Yeah. Of people who were incapable of taking care of themselves. Yes, they were extremely vulnerable. Awful. Yes. And the newspapers gave her that nickname. Death House Landlady. It's not quite the catchiest name. Anyway, um, I feel a little bit grimy after all that, and we still have a few more to go through, but I have a remedy for people who want to feel squeaky clean in their home. Mon, I think you know what it is. It's force of nature. Absolutely. So if you haven't already tried force of nature, I don't know what you're waiting for. It's the cleanest feel you will ever find. It's food safe. It's kids safe. It's pet safe. It's toxin free. It's extremely inexpensive. It is. And I love how it smells. Me smells too. clean, but not chemicals. We mentioned before that several serial killers, spree killers give themselves a nickname because they want the notoriety. So we've got a couple. Jack the Ripper. I forgot who did that. Uh, he sent a letter That's or right. someone sent a letter. And signed it Jack the Ripper. Yes. Because at first he was being called some really terrible nicknames like Whitechapel Murderer. Well, yeah, I was in the Whitechapel district and he was murdering people. Does leather apron? Well, what does that even mean? It's because they thought a shoemaker was doing it. Okay. Um, But eventually Jack the Ripper sent a letter to the Central News Agency of London and signed it Jack the Ripper. How about the Zodiac Killer talking about unsolved? I know nothing about the Zodiac Killer, which... 
how do, I feel like I don't know anything about the infamous ones. No, you I really don't. don't. Does that come from like the Zodiac? Like, is he a Taurus or something? I don't know, but he sent letters to the newspaper and he signed okay. them Zodiac. Okay. But yeah, he signed we them. still don't know why. No, we don't. It's possible that it's because several of his letters were cryptic. So he would send the letters, but they were cryptic ciphers. One of them, the most difficult one was actually deciphered by some cryptographers using software, which hello, why wouldn't you use software? Um, <laughs> Pac-Man is like way in the back. Oh. <laughs> go, go, go. Okay. Stay by me. We, we might have a little background noise, everybody. That's fine. That's fine. Okay. And last but not least. I never knew Sam. this. I never knew Son of Sam named himself. Okay. So Son of Sam, Monica, you had never heard of this? No, I mean, I know Son of Sam, but I didn't know that that's how he got it, that he named himself. So was his dad like named Sam or was like Sam? No, Sam. um, He kind of like thought he was being spoken to by the devil. So maybe that's like, you know, offshoot of Son of Satan, but it's Son of Sam. Um, But he thought he was being told to kill people. Oh. Yeah, that is awful. Mm. Do we have anyone else left? Because mm. I have a question. Okay, question me because nope, we're we're all done. Thank God. <laughs> right. Now going back to Monica's ultimate, ultimate of her serial killers that she's most fascinated by. The fact that Ted Bundy did not make an appearance here leads me to believe one, one thing, his killings never initiated a nickname so they did end up calling him the lady killer oh but that was after right but not during no because he killed people in washington oregon utah colorado and florida that we know of it's not like be the cross country co-ed killer yeah he could be the ccc like c4 (laughs) that's because it's not like police departments were actually talking to each other until True. much later. And because they weren't talking, they also weren't talking to the newspaper because they're like, ooh, let's keep this hush hush. We don't want to scare people. So they thought a lot of these were just regional and yes. they didn't realize it was the same guy. Very mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. I thought about him and John Wayne Gacy as people who I had never heard them have a name. And that's why, because they really, truly didn't during the times of their crimes unsolved. According to Harold Shetcher. Oh goodness. Hope I did <laughs> not butcher his name. Uh, oh. he's the professor at Queens college of the city university of New York. And he studies serial murder. Mm-hmm. If the suspect is already known, there's not much point to giving him a nickname. Agreed. Yeah. Why would that? I don't get that after. Right. If they're already caught, law enforcement knows the name, the newspapers know the name. And so you don't need a nickname, um, which is why John Wayne Gacy, Jeffrey Dahmer and Ted Bundy, they are persistently referred to by their real name as opposed to the Boston Strangler. And we didn't even talk. We didn't talk about the Night Stalker. We didn't even talk about the Night Stalker. We don't say the name. Sorry. I'll I'll believe it out. Uh, Yeah. The Night Stalker in California, Southern California. Okay. That's another one. That's a duplicate nickname. Yeah. A duplicate nickname. Anyway, Monica, I feel like I need to spray myself down with some force of nature. Right. What the nice thing is this rounds out our true crime, which I would like to note here for our listeners that you and I had talked about maybe 
you know, going a little further with true crime and seeing how we felt, but I feel like how we feel is that I need a break from it. Oh, me too. I could still listen to it. I don't want to dig into it. That's the break I need. The digging in It's just a little too much. And I only did two episodes in this little jaunt that we did. I do not see how those podcasts do it week in and week out. I just don't. I don't see how Nancy Grace is saying, honestly. Well, has any, are we saying Nancy Grace is saying these days? I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just a JD. I'm not an MD. Oh my God. <laughs> Monica. Monica. I imitate her all the time. I know. <laughs> Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wait a minute. (laughs) I think everyone's going to like what we do have coming up in the future, which is we do have some more interviews with some really cool ladies that we will be dropping in the month of December. And we also have some other fun stuff like, I don't know, conspiracies. Yes. Trying new things, including products and habits. And we also might talk just a little bit about preppers and that whole thing we lived through. Not not coronavirus, y'all. But why two K? We lived through the original. Why two K? We lived through the original. Why two K? <laughs> so fun. Well, Monica, thank you for entertaining me with this. Uh, what's in a nickname? Serial killer edition. I liked it. So again, thank you, everyone. And if you have any episode ideas or topics that you would like to see us do, just go ahead, head over to Instagram and send us a DM. And that is at two Monica's podcast. And don't forget, leave us a five star rating and write a review. And if you enjoyed this episode, share it with two friends. That's the only way we grow. Awesome. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Today's soundtrack was provided by Kevin McLeod and Andrew Nakarada from filmmusic.io. Sounds provided by Zapsplat and Mixkit. For full credits, please see our show notes and don't forget to support our sponsors.